We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Corner Podcast. This is a kind of special addition to our episode. We had wrapped up the complete episode. We are getting ready to post it for you guys on what would be Wednesday. But so much news came out that we held back. We decided that we were going to record this special segment in the beginning before we give you our normal show right after it. So once again, I'm Kel Dansby. Yeah, and this is Andreas Hale. And we are coming at you live from the MGM Grand, UFC 197 Fight Week. We just wrapped up with fighter interviews at Media Day. And crazy news the yeah. past 12 hours, man. Uh, Prince is gone. Well, yeah, let's start there because I know it's a combat sports podcast, but the passing of Prince is, you know, for me, it's weighing real heavy on me right now. Um, you know, he found dead at his home, uh, 57 years old, which makes you really question mortality. Because, uh, you know, like my father's 57 and, you know, Prince is a, he's a guy that we don't know to use drugs or have a, a crazy lifestyle or anything like that. So to, to find out his, of his sudden passing is a, it's pretty tragic, man. So, I mean, let's just take a few minutes to just kind of talk about what Prince meant to us. Because, Kelly, you're younger than me, so you kind of talk about his significance to you growing up. Yeah, I mean, my whole family was kind of into music. And being in New York, I feel like everyone's like that. Um, my uncle, though, my uncle... Mario is super diverse and just eclectic, and he grew up in, in the middle of the hip-hop scene and everything, but he was always different. Like, he always listened to everything. Like, in our house, he played 
Prince and he made sure even when I was little, sit me down and be like, no, this is that dude. Listen to this. You, you just have it bumping on Saturdays while he was doing his work. Um, and so I grew up with Prince. When I was six, it was like six, seven, eight years old, uh, only thing I wanted for Christmas was a shiny red guitar because of Prince, like electric guitar. And my, I picked it out in the store and everything. And my mom went out and she damn sure got me that guitar. I think it was like $600 too. I was wilding. Um, still never learned how to play anything on the guitar. I just want to hold it, feel like Prince, and uh, you know, get a little Dove's Cry on. I did like the air guitar with the real guitar on the breakdown. Um, yeah, man, Prince to me has always been one of my favorite artists, if not my favorite artist of all time. Anyone who knows me, see me growing up, everyone looked at me kind of weird because I always love Prince. I always just randomly play it. We go to a bar, hit up the jukebox, randomly throw on a track. You know, little red Corvette comes on, everybody look at me like, again? Like, yeah, I don't care, man. I'm playing whatever prints they got. Uh, it's definitely something I'm, I guess, an old soul for as far as that's concerned. And always having the debates, you know, Michael Jackson, Prince, all that. I was always on the Prince side, and, and it hurts, man. That, his whole swag was just different. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, um, I wrote, like, years, years ago, I wrote a piece called In My Humble Opinion. And one of the things I said is, it was off-color comedy a little bit because everything was in jest, but I said, you know, I'll be sad when Michael Jackson passes, but I'll be crushed when Prince passes because Prince was the true definition of an artist. We don't have too many of those. I mean, we, there is no period of Prince. The guy produced, wrote, sang, performed. He did everything. Um, you know, the Prince and Michael Jackson debates have never been... Uh, I've never been privy to them because of the fact that Prince was just such a different artist. He didn't necessarily care about you know, recognition. He just cared about his artistry and making good music. And as a kid growing up, you know, like when when uh, Purple Rain dropped, yeah, that was amazing. But, you know, I was the Prince self-titled album and Dirty Mind and Sign of the Times and like Adore is still one of my favorite songs ever. Played Adore this morning. I mean, Adore is, is phenomenal. I mean, and, all the, and everything that he did from you go back and listen to Sheila E and The Glamorous Life, you listen to Vanity. I mean, you listen to everything that he influenced. Moore's Day, I love Moore's Day, but Prince produced all of that. Like, there is no artist like Prince out there. And to hear about him passing is just, it's really tragic and it really weighs heavy on my soul because not only that, as I got older, I appreciated him because this man took his destiny in his own hands. He refused to be a slave to the, the record business and he changed his name to a sign and he understood the business. He wrote slave on his cheek. Mm -hmm. You know, like, there is no other artist that would, he set a precedent. He was never scared to take that stance. Like, I mean, he, he knew what he felt was right and he was going to express that regardless how anyone else felt. What, what people forget is that Prince was on this internet shit before everybody was. Prince was the first artist with a website and a webpage and was, <laughs> wanted to do music digitally, and people were like, you can't do that. He was a pioneer. He's always been a pioneer. He's always been ahead of the curve. The drums that you hear in a lot of these tracks that try to the, have that retro sound yep. are Prince drums. You know, the style that people are producing, these retro, these 80s sounds, are Prince. This all taken from Prince. No, I still don't know how he did that in, like, live instrumentation, by the way. It's, it's, it's amazing. This stuff tracks, he had rolling snares. Can't even get that on Fruity Loops. The, the, things that, <laughs> the things that he has done, like, Michael Jackson, you know, influenced the performance aspect. The, the Grand Zoir, the, the, yeah. the biggest and baddest videos. But as far as the artist is concerned, there was nobody like Prince. He, again, he had no peer, and hearing about his passing is a... Uh, 
it's tough, man. I had to sit in silence for an hour, and people were like, can you write something? I was like, I need a minute to process this. Yeah. You know, like, I worked at BET when Michael Jackson died, so it was like, we wanted to run, like, trying to write stories, and it, it was a big deal, and, it, you know, it was painful for everybody that grew up on Michael Jackson, but for Prince, it's like, I just need to take a moment and sit back and relax, and it's, it's hard when everything else has been going on today, because we've had another death and another piece of big news. Yeah, uh, and we had talked about Prince on the podcast before, when I said, like, you know, the only person I'd, like, stand out for and mark out for is Prince. Like, yeah. I don't care. I take a picture and all that stuff. And you told me the crazy story where you looked up and Prince was next to you. Yeah, at a, at a show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> at a random concert. I was like, man, I can't wait to see Prince in person. It sucks that I'm never going to be able to see him perform. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Then, I mean, we go from that. This is a combat sports podcast. So we got to go to, we lost China. Joey China. Honors passes away last night. And that is like... A piece of uh, most of our childhoods. She was definitely. You know, people want to take a lot away from China not being a great wrestler, what have you. But she was a big part of the Attitude Era, and and hearing about her loss and the fact that she was never really recognized by the WWE before her passing. And for a female wrestler, she was pretty good. I mean, I, I wrote an article this morning on like China's five contributions to women's wrestling, and one was she made it acceptable for women to use power moves. Like yep. no other woman, I don't think since has used a power bomb. She was power bombing people. Like her press, all, all that stuff was just next level. And she carried that over when she fought men, which is really what made it special. When she's picking up guys over her head, like you just, you won't ever see that again. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you go back to the feuds with Jeff Jarrett and the feud with Road Dog. And you go back to the time that Stone Cold Stutter and, mm-hmm. and the crowd The Eddie nuts. Guerrero lot. Uh, you yeah. Know, the stuff Latino towards the end. I mean, China was just a big part of that attitude era. And. The fact that she's going to pass and now she'll probably get accepted in the Hall of Fame is a little troubling. Um, I don't. It's, Triple it's H still hasn't said anything. Well, he's he's kind of released a small statement. Stephanie's released. Stephanie did. But the, the the I get the difficulty of it because the way her life transitioned into adult films and all that kind of some people don't want to they want to distance themselves from that. Maybe that's what the WWE wanted to do. But I feel like as she's much not as the she, only one. Yeah, as much as she's given to to the business at a time when the business was peaking. She needed to be recognized. And the fact that, you know, she, what, was 47? Yep. Uh, for, 46? She 46, was young, 46. yeah. For, for the fact to be that young and then, you know, she's found dead at her home, it's like, damn, man, we, we're losing. And, you know, we just lost China and Prince. Now, they say death comes in threes. Now, I don't know if we just roll Fife into this and then say Yeah, this Fife is might be into it or the other day. I just don't want nobody the else. The mom from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond Pass. It's, I had to watch Grandma's Boy. It's ridiculous, man. Man, it's, it's just sad to see... To me, especially to see people before their time or what we anticipate is their time to go. Like I, I'm, I'm still young. I, I'm not ready to lose my childhood heroes. Yo, Bret Hart just had cancer, scared me half to death. Like I don't, I can't imagine myself when they bury Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Like, and even in hip hop, like I don't want to see Jay go. Like, what am I gonna do without Jay here? No, it's crazy. Like, I mean, it, it's bananas, and it just really opens your eyes to how people impact you even if you don't think about it on a day-to-day basis. But when stuff like this happens and you reminisce and you remember stories, and, you know, the first time you watched them or when they did this, I remember China coming out with DX and just just that whole moment. Like, what? there's a woman here with Sean and Triple H and how does she fit into this? And she created her own lane and she didn't feel out of place. And just their impact is amazing. It's just, man, to see them have to die to be recognized, um, you know, globally like this, it's, it's very sad. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's also unfortunate because you look at the wrestling business and it claims so many lives after they're out of the business. And it's starting to become really scary and some, a disturbing trend when you lose a China. And, you know, Shawn Michaels, 
the th things that he went through while he was in the business. And you look at guys like Donovan Kidd, you look at the loss of Owen Hart, you look at, I mean, you know, uh, Black Jack Mulligan just passed recently. Mm -hmm. Bray Wyatt's, um, what is his grandfather? Uncle, I, I, Uncle, I got Uncle. But you're losing so many people after they leave the business. And I don't know what this business does to these people because it, it tears them apart. Yeah, I mean, there's not enough research yet. Like, especially that 90s era and... The 90s, it is what it is, man. The, the 90s was a high in many sports. But one of the reasons because, you know, performance hands to drugs and, you know, steroids were real. Like, yeah. it, it was just the way of life, and the WWE was no different. So we haven't seen what it does to people in, in you know, baseball yet or even the football generation that was taking it. But we've seen a lot of wrestlers go off of the deep end. I mean, lost Eddie Guerrero way before his time. Uh, Chris Benoit, he... We don't even we need out. to have words for that. That's, yeah, that's like that's a whole different scenario. You don't just don't know what, you know, all these injuries and traumas to the head and everything. And you call wrestling fake all you want. You can't fake some of the stuff they do. Nah, Chris Benoit headbutted people every night, three hundred times a year. You know, for what ten years straight. Right. Off of the top turnbuckle, it probably took some effects on his head. Um, and you just see stuff like this. In China, there's reports that she was having trouble sleeping and all this stuff. And, and the little things in life that, you know, you take medications for and you take a little bit too much and it's at the end. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, it's it's not fun. It's not fun seeing these guys go, we don't, we don't got no macho man, we don't got nobody. Nah, they, you know, you never know who's next. And it either comes as a shock, like Prince's death and, and China's death, or they die of old age, but not enough people are dying of old age anymore. Mm -hmm. People are dying, you know, before their time. Yeah, there was a tweet earlier that was like, if you would have woke up and told everyone in 1990 that 25 years from now you won't have Michael Jackson, you won't have Prince, and you won't have Whitney Houston, they would have said you're a liar. Yeah, because they all died way before their time. Way before their time. Um, Crazy. So moving on from that, the other piece of business is Conor McGregor. Conor's back. Back I again. <laughs> I mean, so Conor released a statement this morning essentially in short saying that I'm not going to be a monkey to your show. I need to take my time. I've given you enough, to, and I, I needed some leeway so I can promote this fight when I'm ready to promote this fight. Um, he ain't trying to lose. No, That's what not, it came across. He, he, he's not trying to lose. With a loss, everything goes out a window, and he knows he can promote all he wants between now and July. But if he loses in July, there's nothing to promote after that. So he's trying to focus. He's trying to get the win because there's more money in wins than there is in Bristol, Connecticut. And his lines were hilarious. Yeah. So he, the funny thing about this is that, I, I, you know, it makes my – it's about the money. But no matter what anybody wants to say, it's still about the money at the end of the day. Conor fights for money. If he loses, he doesn't have as much money. As Dana says, it's not about the money. But, yes, it is. One of the things that Conor says, I don't get paid to promote. Well, you kind of do, but you don't. I get it. You get paid to win. So here's the thing. Conor's statement puts the UFC in a bind because UFC 200 has not been paid as much attention to since – before, as it is now, when Conor said he's retired, does Dana White bend and let Conor McGregor back on his card? Yes, let him back on his card. Um, reports were floating around that Nate Diaz was in talks, maybe picking up the Robbie Lawler fight. Uh, that obviously has not come to light yet. Uh, multiple reports said that that was tabled now. Uh, I think Conor says he wants to fight. He put the UFC on notice. He put them on the spot. He pulled the perfect switcheroo. Now all the pressure is back on Dana. Dana went yesterday, he went on ESPN, he went on all these shows, and he put the pressure on Conor. And Conor came out with a great statement, he didn't bite his tongue, and now the pressure is back on Dana. He wants to fight, he'll be in New York if you need him in New York. Besides that, let the man train and he will show up to fight and to win in his mind. 
So now the ball's in yours. Now what matters more for Dana White? Does he want the best Conor McGregor, the fighter, to show up and fight? Or does he want the most money possible? And, and that's what it comes down to. Because he's just trying to milk Conor dry for his mouth more than his fist. So here's the dilemma. And I, I get this. Um, it goes twofold. In corp- in, for big corporations, when you work for a big company and you get your work done quickly and you go above and beyond, they don't give you less work. They just put more work on your desk. That's just how things work. The faster you get work done, the more work that they give you. Conor McGregor is the perfect example. He's, ta- he's helped the UFC out in numerous situations. Oh, short notice fight? I'll take it. You need me to promote? I'll promote. But at the end of the day, the UFC is still a company, and they have to set a precedent. If they let Conor, if Dana White decides to let Conor McGregor back on this card, he just basically gave Conor the keys of the kingdom. And they, you're setting a precedent by allowing him to fight without doing the obligation of promoting, because everybody else is promoting the fight. He's willing to promote, just not the incredible lengths that they have now grown accustomed to because he's let them. That's the problem. if you look in the past year or two, They've done more promotion than ever before. Yeah. Fight week promotion flying from East Coast to West Coast two days before the fight. That's not good for a fighter. And it's worn down Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. And it's going to wear down Conor McGregor. And you're going to run through these fighters because that's not how the body is built. It's not a winning recipe. And Conor and Ronda, they changed that. GSP never had to do that. Anderson Silva never had to do that. All the greats before them didn't have all of these press obligations. And stuff was selling. You know what? You want them to be on ESPN or, you know, something in L.A. while he's there? Skype. Use FaceTime. Do something. You don't got to be there in person. Does it matter if Chael Sonnen can reach over and shake his hand or if he can do it via satellite? Make it work for your fighters, but they have gotten too accustomed to demanding, and that's what it is now because it's in the contract, and there's no language on, okay, you have to do three appearances. You have to do four appearances. It's just you have to promote as part of a contract. So now you have some people, uh, I don't want to call him, but Demetrius Johnson, he has to promote the fight, right? He's not in Bristol. He's not doing it. He's a champion. He gets to come to Vegas once, go home, that's it. And he could defend his belt and train how he wants. But since Connor's polarizing, he has to do eight appearances. That's why they need a union. The, the UFC is now an organization, no different than the NFL and the NBA. They have their own uniforms, their own deals. You can't treat it like boxing anymore. You need rights now, and the fighters have to realize that. The longer they go, the more that they leave these situations open. And you know what? Connor's going to beat the system because he's Connor. But when they do it to someone like Luke Rockhold, who's trying to be a star, and he, now he's going on everything, and what if he loses because of that? He has no voice. He, he can't come back like Connor can. So those fighters are going to get caught in the middle. And it's, it's bad. They need a union to say, okay, you get three, and this is something that has to be on the bill, you get three promotional appearances. Spread them out how you want, Dana. And then camps can be planned. But now telling Connor to leave Iceland, fly to Vegas, fly to New York, then fly back to Iceland, and just pick up where you were, my man. Go, go train in this little-ass hotel room, and then tell us you're going to be 100% for this fight, for this guy who just choked you out. Again, I Dana get can't it. do it. I get it, but I get I get that perspective of it. But this is a business, and Dana has to protect his company because Connor is not going to be here forever. He's got to hold all of his fighters to the same standard. And the biggest issue that I have with this is that it played out publicly. 
If they played this out behind the scenes, they could have negotiated something where Connor didn't show up to this press conference. But now that everybody's aware of the situation, and this is partially Dana's fault too. I think two episodes ago I said this. I said, Dana, blame John Jones for pulling out of the car. When you let things play out publicly, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. And this is that situation because everybody hates their boss. It's just like the WWE with Vince McMahon. Everybody wants to stun their boss and be the boss. And Dana White is your boss. And Conor McGregor is the fighter. He's the $40 million slave right now. You want to see them take matters into their own hands. However, for the sake of Dana White and his company, he kind of can't let Conor back on this card. He can't relinquish his power to a fighter because he's setting a precedent. He said it yesterday. The window is closed, and I'm not letting him back on this card. Do I think he should for financial purposes, for the fans? Of course. But as a business, can't let somebody walk all over you. This is still a company that can be bought and sold. It's not like boxing because you can't sell boxing. It's like, who's going to buy boxing? You know, <laughs> if you put it on the stock market, it's like, buy boxing. It's like, what am I buying? You know, it's like, you can't buy Bob Arum. You can't buy Manny Pacquiao's gloves. You can't buy Don King's hair. Like, you can't buy anything. UFC still, a, it still can be sold. It's still a private company. And when you have fighters who are basically independent contractors, and, you know, to, to unionize is, while we think it's great, who's going to do it? Who's gonna Who's gonna jump up and set? It the has to start at the head. That That's the thing. It has to start with the Conor McGregor's and trickle down. But is, are they bigger than the UFC? They're not. The fighters aren't bigger than the organization. Well, I mean, every sport has taken that stance. NBA lost half a season. You think if all the fighters banded together, they won't and go. said six months, you're getting no fights until we get this union and lock them out. That's that's pretty much what it is. The UFC have to lock them out, come together, and then that's how unions are created. And that's how stuff. It gets done, and they have to, you know, they got to have the grapefruits to do so. It's tough because there's the other side of the coin with UFCs. There's a lot of undisclosed funds that a lot of these fighters get. If they go that route, the UFC won't be be doing that anymore. There won't be any, I'm going to give you this, and, you know, we're not going to let the world know how much you got paid. Now it's got to be all put on the table. Yeah, it's going to be fight contracts. But once again, with the sponsorships and everything out of the window, it's going to be yearly salaries, not fight-by-fight contracts. So now you're going to have to pay John Jones 10 mil a year, just that's it, and just cut the check. So if he fights twice, if he fights three times, if he gets injured and doesn't fight, it's going to be guaranteed contracts, guaranteed money, and you're going to get that dough. I mean, they'll, they'll probably eliminate fight bonus. It's just a lot of stuff that there's the pros and cons of a union. It's just at, the, at this point with Conor McGregor, I feel like, you know, he's going to get paid. He's Conor McGregor. He's done what he has to do, but he has to win, and that's the bind that he's in. He's like, I need to focus on winning. Where this got lost in translation, you know, I don't know if Dana said a month ago, Conor, we're going to be promoting this fight, and Conor waited until now and said no. That's a problem. If Conor signed off on it and changed his mind, that's a problem. But if Dana called him three days ago, it was like, I'm sending you a plane. You need to be in Vegas, New York. That's a problem because you're taking a man out of his element. UFCs is still a young sport, and we all know that, you know, Dana, Dana's biggest flaw as, far, as well as his biggest strength is how personal he is with a lot of his fighters and how, you know, how he comfortably is with them. And he'll, he'll talk shit about Greg Jackson. He'll talk shit about John Jones, but he'll praise Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey. Like, he'll do all those things. But – you're in a tough bind. I don't know if you let the man back on his car because he basically put his flag down, drew his line on the sand, dared you to cross him. And you're the company's president. Can you let a and fighter... you're going to lose. Yeah, you're going to lose on this one. Just, you're going to have to take the L because without pro- him, I, mm, I don't know. they don't have another great possibility for UFC 200. This guy sells. And it's stupid that it had to play out this public, you know, in this public forum like this. 
But Connor said, enough's enough. And he brought it to the, to the forefront. Here's the problem. Connor's not retired. Connor will fight again, even if it's not on 200. What do I lose if I fight at 202? Fine. I'm still making my money because you're still Conor McGregor. I'm still going to make a bunch of money. I don't need you at 200. I'm good. Yeah. Dana could, I mean, the, the, the problem still is the fact that Conor is still an active fighter on the UFC roster. He's not retired. So he has kind of, in a sense, relinquished his power because he will fight again. It just might not be at 200. So I think Dana is willing to bite that bullet and let Conor fight on another card and make him a bunch of money. But Dana has already said publicly how much they put into 200. Yeah, that's fine. Commercials, promo, everything. You have to get your money back. Or some they're gonna get it back. They're gonna get it back. They may not get as much with Connor not being on the card, but they'll make it up with Connor being on the next card, because it's just an, Connor's the biggest fights in UFC has been the three fights that Connor's been on. Nothing is special about any of those three cards. No. Just a number, right? Of course, two hundred is supposed to be big, but that's all semantics. Like it's just two hundred. If everybody gets hurt, you still have a problem. Two hundred one. If Conor McGregor fought at two hundred one, like if you you don't can't tell me if Conor said, "All right, I'll fight," and at two hundred two they do Conor McGregor versus George St. Pierre, it'll blow two hundred out the water. You think Dana cares which fight does better? No, nah, I mean at that point the money's gonna be the money. That and there that's why I'm saying like Conor doesn't have to be on this card. They will make their money back on another card. You gotta you gotta take a stand. And this is me speaking from a business perspective because for me I don't like being a slave. I don't like being told what to do. So I, I, I I'm hundred talk, percent talking like the man. Yeah, I'm 100% behind Conor McGregor in his stance and how he feels and winning's the most important thing. And I asked for a little leeway. I've given you all that I got. Give me something back. I'm 100% behind him. But if I'm Dana White, I can't, I can't let this man know he's got the better of me. No, that's right. I mean, I think Dana's going to cave, but he, he shouldn't. Like you said, I mean, it is what it is. It's going to be interesting. By the time we do our next show next week, we'll actually recap UFC 197 that we're at right now. And we'll probably have an answer to this whole Dana White, Conor McGregor fiasco. Um, Dana's surely going to have to take questions within these next two days. So oh, we'll, see, we'll see what he says. Uh, until then, though, enjoy the rest of our show that we had done for you yesterday. Uh, you'll hear a little bit about Conor and all that stuff, but we have a guest from the UFC. Big so ticket, Walt Harris. Walt Harris came through the fight shop yesterday. Um, we're also talking wrestling and boxing. So stay tuned for the rest of the episode. Until next week. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. I think this is episode 55, so you guys have been along for one you hell of a track? ride. Yeah. I don't keep track. Uh, <laughs> I'm Kel Dansby, and I am hungover this week. And I'm Andreas Hill, and I'm absolutely not hungover. Well, because he's not drinking this year. That's Smart right. man. Um, today, we're talking about the UFC, the alleged Conor McGregor retirement. We're previewing some boxing stuff. We're going to recap a good weekend in boxing. Um, got to see some really good young stars. And we're going to talk WWE. Shane O'Mac is still there. Which is makes, again, makes... WrestleMania completely inconsequential. I don't. I don't even like. If you go back and watch it, you're like, why did they even have this show? It did nothing. <laughs> so let's start off with the UFC and Conor McGregor because it's the biggest news in in sports in, in general. NBA playoffs are on, and Sports Center's leading with Conor McGregor. I mean, it came out of left field. It, unless you were living under a rock, you saw that McGregor tweeted yesterday. Uh, I retire. I'm going to retire young. Thanks for the cheese. <laughs> and yeah. I'm out, which was like amazing. And people thought he was trolling. People thought maybe somebody hacked his Twitter. Um, later on in the day, come to find out, Dana White says that he pulled Connor 
from UFC 200 because kind of wouldn't meet the pre-fight media obligations of marketing and travel, blah, blah, blah. So, Which is dumb. I mean, there's a difference between Nick Diaz and Conor McGregor. Of course there is. That's why there's so much more to this than what they're either. Well, Conor's not saying anything, but it's definitely more than what Dana's leading on with. And Dana kind of this morning, he did an interview on radio and he attacked like the media members and Twitter and the Internet. He was like, don't believe what you read on the Internet. Uh, but we don't believe you, Dan. Yeah, we don't believe you. <laughs> like, you need more people. Nobody <laughs> believes anything that's going on. It is too, uh, for a fight of this magnitude, for Dana to say, yeah, I pulled him because he didn't want to do, like, promotions and stuff, that's, like, just the surface. Nobody believes that. There's so much more to this story than that. Well, Connor backed out probably because they weren't paying him to do media. Why are you going to stop a camp for something you're not paid to do? Well, I mean, like, you kind of are paid to do it. I mean, it's, it's part of the obligation of... Being a fighter is to promote a fight. His job is to win now. His job is to not lose twice. Well, he's a promoter. Like he has, to, he's a, he's probably the best promoter in the fight game. Um, you know, taking a, a, he's going to have nothing to promote if he loses back to back. That's the not. key. So he went to Iceland. He's trying to get right. He's trying to not, you know, take the L. There's probably crazy elevation over there. You know, he's just working on cardio and all that stuff to go five rounds at that heavier weight. So let him do what he does. Like three months before the fight, you need the guy to come to Vegas. It makes no sense. It's your biggest card ever. I Look, I get both sides of this. I, I think there's, there's, there's blame on both sides. Here's my theory. For those who have read on Sheridog, I blamed death, money, and Floyd Mayweather for this situation. And people are going to go like, well, how do you blame Floyd Mayweather? Allow me to explain. <laughs> <laughs> so we start with this. Uh, Juan uh, Calvaro died in front of Conor McGregor last week in a fight. For those who've listened to Conor Gregor's interviews, he's always talked about not staying in the game very long, concerned about long-term health. And he said, he's always said, I want to get rich, get my money, take that shit back to Ireland, and retire. Yep. He's made it very clear he doesn't want to have a long career in MMA. So if you're sitting K-side when somebody dies, that might just change your perspective on how long you want to continue fighting and how much you deserve to be paid for when you fight. So after this, you know, even though Conor's training... Dana comes calling and said, I need you in Vegas for two, to promote 200, to do your media obligations, to do a press conference, to do all these things. McGregor probably just wasn't feeling it. He probably just told Dana, nah, I don't feel like doing this. And one thing led to another, you know, and I, and I guarantee there's some kind of standoff. Somewhere along the line, kind of probably said, you're not paying me enough to do this. There's a rumor that a source has said they kind of asked for $10 million a fight. Um, Which is well, justifiable, at least for 200. It's... Again, it's one of those things like you, if it depends on how these contracts are structured. Pacquiao just did 400 pay-per-views, but his contract thousand pay-per-view buys yeah. and got what 20 mil. But his contract story structured that way. If Conor signed a contract that said I'm getting paid this amount per fight, then he's in the wrong. To try to re re try to hold the UFC hostage, he'd be in the wrong. And that's what's odd. No one knows Conor's contract. No. Usually, like contracts are pretty easily accessible, especially to media members. People like have an idea when someone reads up. You know, six fights, eight fights. Anderson Silva's contract came out, all this stuff. No one knows Connors. He's in that GSP range where at the end of GSP's thing, you just didn't know how much he was making. But people knew he was making bank. Yeah, but, but you just didn't know if it was fight to fight, if it was six fights, eight fights. You just didn't know what you were going to get. They um, knew he was cleaning up. You know, that's, that's what, we, what we know is GSP was cleaning up. So I look at the situations like this. They had a standoff. Dana caught Connor's bluff and was just pretty much saying, you're out. And Connor was like, I'm out. Like, you know, one way or another, because even though Connor lost the fact that he's been tabbed to headline UFC 200, still means he's the biggest draw in the UFC. 
regardless of winning or losing. And when you put his health into consideration and the fact that he's looking at and with this, how, this is why I blame Floyd Mayweather. We go all the way back to when Conor's been talking about Conor McGregor promotions, which is clearly tipped off from Floyd Mayweather striking out on his own and making way more money than Bob Arum ever thought he would make as his promoter. Correct. If you go back to Bob Arum, you know, when Floyd wanted the De La Hoya fight and we still had top rank, Floyd said, I want $20 million to fight Oscar. Bob said no to $20 million and no, you're not fighting Oscar. You're not a big enough star. Mayweather struck out on his own. And what did he make his last fight, $250 million? Yep. Conor took, took a page out of that book and wants to go his own route. So when Dan is like, well, I'm paying you to come out here and do this, I'm sure Connor was like, not enough. I'm not willing to die in this cage for this. This is not enough money. So up your cash, or I'm not coming. And I, I guarantee he just didn't feel like coming out here for this. But I wrote my editorial yesterday, and it was based on Connor's trying to treat this like boxing when it's not that type of arena. The UFC is an organization. It's the NBA, the NFL you can be the most talented player in the world, but are you going to go play arena league football? No. You want to be in the big leagues. Connor wants to be in the big leagues, and they still hold all the power. Of course. And that and that's that. And he tried to pull rank, and he thought he was bigger. Or not even bigger. He thought it was a 50-50 split. And it's not. They're not equal. The UFC is always bigger than the people in it. And kudos to Dana White for establishing that. And... He just put his foot down and showed, like, Connor, you may be big, but we're bigger than you. And there's always another star. Always. And yeah. Dana's willing to bank on that. Well, this, this is where the trouble comes in is because Connor not being on his card puts the UFC in a bind. No matter how many ways you want to slice it, no matter if we're trying to figure out who's got the bigger balls here, it puts him in a bind. Nate Diaz can't carry UFC 200. He cannot. The calls are going out to George St. Pierre. Um, I'd love to see him versus Diaz. I mean, the fight was supposed to be at 170 anyway, so but see, let's make it happen. Even if George St. Pierre comes back, and this is another common road a week ago, do we really want a George St. Pierre comeback? We act like we do. But when George fights, we treat him like Floyd Mayweather. As good as he is, he's not really exciting to watch in the cage. He just wins all the time. And GSP has gone on to say, I don't want to win a title about being the best in the world, blah, blah, blah. If he comes back, it's big news, but... Is it enough to drag the people in that don't really watch MMA, like, say, a Ronda Rousey, who gets people who don't watch MMA? Well, Dana went on SportsCenter and he said he needs to make two fights. He needs of course he does. Nate to get a fight, and then he's working on another. I think the GSP fight would be for Nate, in which if Nate loses, then you set up GSP versus Nick down the road. And Not in Vegas. <laughs> Where are they going to fight? Where, where's Nick going to fight at? He's suspended. He, his suspension ends in August. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, so if that's at 200, you can put Do people want to see that fight in again? New York. I don't. The mouth would carry it. And it's I, just older brother defending little brother. It sells. I'm cool. Itself. I don't want to see GSP versus Nick Diaz ever again. No I'm good. No one wants to see GSP versus who, who else is there left Robbie to fight? Robbie Lawler. Robbie He doesn't want the title. He doesn't want to defend the title. I'm not sure if he wants to come back and face the best in the world. I, I don't know. Right what, away. I, I don't know. But what's a better fight for him than fighting someone who usually fights at 155 pounds, who's moving up, and you already defeated someone with that style? His brother. Yeah, see, I'm just like, I don't care about that fight. I I get that's what they may be trying to do, but I don't care. And then it leaves, you don't have to waste that extra open spot on GSP. You add GSP and bring, you know, try to talk Ronda into coming back. She won't do it. She's got film movie obligations, and she's not ready. I don't think she'll be pushed into coming back. Money talks. It won't be enough for Ronda. Ronda's making enough money. I think the one person who can hold this card together is John Jones. If John Jones rolls over Vince St. Prue, which we'll preview this card shortly, 
he, him and Cormier, if Cormier can get healthy, there's a lot of moving parts to this, would be the best bet for a fight that people would want to see. There's just so many moving parts with, you know, OSP fighting John Jones. What if John gets injured? Um, what if John doesn't win? Like, you, yeah, what always. if DC's not healthy? There's just so much up in the air still to book on them being the UFC 200 main event. And then that just holds Dana kind of hostage. I know there's three months still until yeah, then. There's, there's no rush to right. announce the main event. But they're trying to sell tickets. That's why Connor was supposed to be out here. They, they're trying to sell tickets. They want to, you know, get appropriate hype behind the fight. So you can't do that until you see exactly what happens with John Jones. Yeah, I mean, it's the biggest card of the year. They want to figure out what they want to do. They wanted to promote this year. I'm sure they also want to start doing their pre-packages uh, with the fight being out here. They fly a bunch of guys out here, do their interviews, do all their marketing tools, get all that stuff done. But it all goes back to the question is, would Conor McGregor really retire? Do you think he'd really walk away from the sport if he doesn't get what he wants? No, Conor's coming back. I mean, one, he can't promote himself anywhere else. He can't fight. Like, he's still under contract. What if Conor goes to Bellator? You can't. Like, like, yes, he, he can essentially retire, wait, because I'm sure there's a non-compete, and then he goes to Bellator. That's interesting because I, don't I would assume, understand. like, his fights would have to be – like, if you come back and you fight MMA in any arena, it'd have to be for the UFC. I'm pretty sure that's in his contract. It, it they all, can't it, be yeah. that dumb. I don't know, because they're all independent contractors at the end of the day. Unless he was on the LeBron, you know, a series of one-year deals or, like, you know, fight-by-fight -fight deals, which, I mean, there's a basis behind that, because I don't understand how he goes from 500000 to $1 million if he's not on a contract-by-contract -contract deal. Like a fight-by-fight fight deal. He he gained exponentially in a year. Well, I'm sure before the Mendez fight, he, I have to remember because I'm not entirely sure that he re-upped. Re-upped, right? That's with what a, I thought. With a pay-per-view upside, which is significant. Um, and people lied, you know, scoffed at him. He was like, oh, he's asking for $10 million. Well, there's two ways to look at it. One, yes, Pacquiao did make $20 million fighting Tim Bradley. For 400000 pay-per-view buys. Which is all true. However, UFC tickets are far cheaper. The gate is different. Everything is a little bit different when it comes to boxing. Boxing has a little bit more money to blow, you know, and pay-per-views are expensive. And you don't have to, there's only like two fighters you really got to pay a lot of money to. So I get both sides of it. You don't want to set a precedent that you're going to give in to a fighter's demands who is coming off of a loss. But that, that precedent was already set. That's what's so weird. Like you gave in to so many demands and then now it's like, nope, not anymore. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I like I said, I see both sides of it. I see kind of want to be his own promoter. He has to win this fight one way or another. Like if he was to fight Nate, he would have to win the fight. But now we have the the uh, the um, the problem of is now Aldo versus Edgar is that for the full featherweight title now? Are they going to strip Conor of the title? And I'm sure that's something we're going to find in the coming days because it really Dana said on the herd he was on the herd today. It really depends on what, how the conversation goes with him and Conor, which I'm sure they're due for one. Another note, Connor tweeted that he had made, was going to make an announcement today, which is Wednesday, and then he deleted it like two seconds after he tweeted it. They probably should stop him from going on social media. Man, it's, you know, it's like Chris Brown. You can't stop these guys. <laughs> They're, they're going to say what they want on social media. Yeah, the, the overreaction by Connor, like, he didn't have to put, okay, I'm retiring. Yeah, well, he he's did. not retiring. He, he wanted to show his power. He's powerful. He's, he's, he's got a lot of traction in the UFC, and him not being featured at UFC 200 is a big blow to the card. No matter how many ways you slice it, you said it yourself. The card looks kind of weak. If it wasn't for Carter, where's the star power at? Are people paying to see Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar headline UFC 200? Not no. at all. 
And it seems as though if Conor really does retire, you know, he vacates his belt, and this is for the real yeah, championship. Yeah, but, but who, the, the thing is, who cares? Like Belts don't mean anything anymore. They're giving an interim belt to John Jones. It, it's all, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors at the end of the day, but we know Conor ha- is a draw. We know John Jones could potentially be the biggest draw in MMA. He's just done so many things wrong that he needs to fix. I don't even know if he can fix it. At this point, he just has to embrace it. And, you know, coming out and doing the interviews and, like, oh, I was addicted to weed and all this. Like, you weren't addicted to weed, man. You're, you're addicted to being a dumbass. Just, like, just, just say what it is. If anything, you're addicted to cocaine, which he doesn't acknowledge. Yeah. So, I mean, it, the MMA world was sending a tizzy because of Conor McGregor. And it's weird because, you know, this week is fight week, UFC 197. And we're in Vegas. We're covering the fight this week. And all the questions are going to be directed at 200. I feel bad for the fighters. Tomorrow's media day. You know, you're going to sit there with Demetrius Johnson and be like, so what do you think about Conor McGregor? He's like, fuck you. I'm fighting this weekend. Why don't you ask me about that? They're going to have a, it's going to be really hard because all these fighters are going to have to deal with the Conor McGregor. It's always the McGregor show. It is. He's, but he's made it that way. It yeah. proves that he's such a great promoter. And he, yeah, he took 197 hostage. He was just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to just erase everything you had for this pay-per-view and the narrative is going to be on me. So that shows, in that respect, he shows his power. Um, but you have no power if you can't fight. No, it's true. It, it all comes down to that. You like, got to win. The one thing Floyd Mayweather did is he won. Yep. He could talk as much as he won. You don't have to like him, but he won. He won consistently. He made you want to pay to see him lose. And Conor doesn't walk away on a loss, by the way. Eh, I don't know. And I don't think it ever was about legacy for Conor McGregor. I don't think Conor came in and was like, yo, I want to be the best fighter of all time. No, he wanted he to do whatever it did paid fighter yeah, of all time. to make the most money. That's why I said he, he took a lot of notes from Floyd Mayweather's business acumen, where it's not necessarily about anything else. People, my kids can't win world titles, eat world titles. They can eat the money from the food that I put on the table. Like, they can eat $10, 15000000 million. They can eat off of that. But this world title sitting on my desk, like Demetrius Johnson's title, is not paying him as much as Conor McGregor is getting paid to fight for a n- no title. Yeah. So it's crazy. Just carry on a belt. He's doing nothing with. Um, well, let's get into the card. Now talking about Demetrius Johnson. Well, and ha- let's let's, Johnson let's recap bit. UFC on Fox first before we start talking about 197. Oh, it makes sense. Because uh, we're talking about another guy who may be on the cusp of retiring. The uh, cusp? He just got knocked into retirement. I don't I don't know, man. I don't uh, Sugar Rashad Evans knocked silly by Glover Teixeira in the first round of the headline of UFC on Fox in Tampa. Um, there, here's the reason why I say I don't know. If Rashad Evans would have fought Mauricio Shogun Hua like he was supposed to, would it have been the same result? I doubt it. No. I mean, but Shogun is an easy fight. So you're telling me he just can't fight top five guys anymore? Yes. Like Rashad That's just... exactly what I'm telling you. Glover Teixeira hadn't lost a fight in how long? Like, he just beat the guy who's headlining on the card this weekend. Yeah. He beat Ovin St. Prue. You know, he beat Ryan Bader. He's, he puts hands on guys. He, the only person he couldn't beat was John Jones. So with that being said, I'm not surprised. Like, the, the moment that the fight started, and I saw that Rashad couldn't control the distance, and he couldn't get his punches off quick. Like, he looked, he had, like, the Denzel mustache look. He looked like <laughs> an old, old man. man. Yeah, Magnificent Seven, Denzel Washington. Like, Rashad Evans, <laughs> he looked old, and he couldn't keep Glover off of him. And it was only a matter of time for Glover to put one of them big hands on him. You know, the reason what that makes John Jones so special is he uses his physical advantages so well. His height, his range, his reach, and his strength. Rashad didn't have any of those. It was only a matter of time before Glover closed the distance and killed him. Yeah, none of that. Uh, and Glover didn't waste any time doing so. No, nah, he had to t- take care of business and call out Rumble Johnson. You like, you get to work. And I want to see that fight. I'm here for it. That's I don't know why anyone would call out Rumble, but they hey. have to fight. 
because Glover knows if he gets Rumble on on the ground, he's going to win that fight. Simple as that. Well, I think DC showed that. Like, exactly. if you can just withstand the barrage, and if it's a five-round fight, and I think Glover's smart in that regard. He's like, you know, we're going to main event one of these Fox cards or FS1 cards, and it's going to be a five-round fight. And in five rounds, I got Yeah. Just I mean, who knows? Take him into deep water. Who knows? But getting to five rounds is, is the difficult part against Rampage. Glover's healthy. Him and Rumble could oh, fight Rumble's at 200. Good. They could put that fight on 200. Glover just came out unscathed. Rumble doesn't have a fight. I'd Possible. love to see it. Um, I wanted to see Rumble at 200. I thought it'd be a great uh, FS1 you know, main event for the prelims. And, he, and here's something fun. Uh, just reported, Dana White says, if Conor McGregor calls me now, the fight with Nate Diaz is back on. Well, I mean, Dana's Dana's Dana. Uh, Connor holds way too much power. <laughs> like, it's like when, when you go on TV and you're just like, well, you know, I said all this stuff yesterday, but if he just shouts me out, give me a call real quick, he'd come back and fight. Don't worry about the press. Don't worry about it. Like, I was just kidding, Connor. Come back. Because Dana knows the meal ticket, man. And uh, for him to say that publicly is ridiculous, though. Hey, he knows where the money's at. He's got to cut some checks here. This is the biggest fight. If, if Connor says, hey, Dana, I'm sorry, I'll fight. You think he would? I'll be out there tomorrow. You think, you think Dana's going to say, nah, I'm going to stand on my laurels and principles and say, fuck that money. No, he's gonna get, they're going to get that money. No, yeah, money, money over everything. Hold on. We are in Las Vegas Fight Shop, and you never know who's going to show up. So we have one of the fighters from this weekend's event. Just coming through. What are you buying? Buying shirts? What are you? Come. Yo, hold on. I'm passing the mic. Everybody doing out there. So I walk the big ticket Harris checking in. Big ticket in the building. Yeah. Uh, coming through, you know, little shopping. I see the shoe palace bag, you know, trying to get trying to get the, <laughs> the, the, the feet right. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Yo, yeah. Come through. Yeah, have my chair, man. Come in. You got, you got a quick second. Yeah, come come in here. You got to let the people know. <laughs> let them know. <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, um, we're talking about all this craziness with UFC, and do you feel, you know, fighting on the card, do you feel that the Connor news and all that stuff kind of took away from this card? You know, you just being on it, did it, like, slow down the steam? Nah, I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, with John uh, with John coming back, man, that's always a big uh, event, you know what I mean? And uh, I think it did take a little bit of the press away, because that's all kind of everybody talking about, but... Um, Dana coming out and saying he wasn't fighting on 200 kind of solidified it. You know, like, yo, we can forget about it. Like, let's keep focused on what's going on. So, um, we're going to turn up this weekend, man. We're going to make it a good show. So, so tell people, you know, they, they know who you are, but tell people who you're fighting and, and give them a little bit of background for those who don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm taking on uh, Cody East. Uh, I believe Dana found him on the, uh, on the uh, Looking for a Fight show. 12-1 um, guy on the hot street right now. I'm um, coming off a loss, so I'm looking to, you know, get back in the, in the wind column, man, and, and put on a show doing it. So I think it's a good fight for me. I think he's going to try to stand up with me, which hadn't happened too much since I've been in the UFC. Guys try to take me down. They want to run, you know, so hopefully he get in that pocket and try to trade with me, you know, so we'll see what happens Saturday night. So did you watch the Looking for a Fight series? Have you watched this fight, or are you just nah, kind of getting in there nah, just dealing man, with what comes? Nah, I haven't watched this fight, but I do have film on him. Um, I, I try to keep, you know – in the loop as far as fighting go, I try to keep up with every organization, every promotion. Uh, so I had heard about him, but I, I hadn't really checked out the show that much. Preparing for someone who's making their UFC debut, how, how does that change things? Because, one, he has an advantage. He has tons of film on you. Mm -hmm. You know, he just go on Fight Pass, pull up every, everything about you. Um, 
you were going into this, do you really prepare for him or do you just prepare yourself to do the best you can? Uh, honestly, that's how I, I approach every fight. I try to be the best me I can possibly be because I feel like um, no matter how much film you watch on a human being, man, there's nothing like being in there with them. Uh, this is kind of rude, too. Let me take these off. I forgot I got the shades. I just got bought them. So got I'm the shades on. Sorry, y'all. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I feel like, you know, I try to be the best me. You know what I'm saying? I also study my opponent. I, I don't underestimate anybody. But if I'm the best me, I feel like I can beat anybody in the world. That's just how I feel about my skill level and my talent. So, you know. I'm prepared for whoever they put in front of me. We're just talking about, you know, this fight card specifically opened stuff up for that UFC 200 weekend. A big performance this week, uh, you know, and leave it healthy. You could really open up to be on one of those cards. It's, you know, a historic week. Is that something you're looking for? Like, how fast do you want to come back into the octagon? Oh, man, I'm looking for the quickest turnaround possible, man. I've been out 17 months, so... Um, you know, I want to win impressive. I want to win quick and get right back in there if possible. You know, if they tell me 200, they tell me 99, whatever, I'm going to be ready. So for you, I mean, coming off a loss, you know, you, you think you start, you know, some guys can't bounce back. How do you mentally prepare for a fight coming off a loss? Do you shore up the holes in your game or you do what you do best? Oh, yeah, I shore up the holes. Um, I'm always trying to shore up the holes. Um, but this time it's a little different. I got a, I got a, a full count for this one. So. It worked out in my favor. Um, I actually took a fight on the McGregor and Diaz card, but they pushed it back to uh, this weekend. So, um, you know, I just try to show up the holes and make sure I'm in the best shape I could possibly be in and be ready, you know, 110% ready. For you, you're looking at the landscape of the division that you're fighting in, it's, it's wide open. Wide open. You know, it's like every time you turn around, like you look at the card a couple weeks ago, there was, like, what was it, six heavyweights falling that card? Mm -hmm. And anything can change at the drop of a hat. So for you having an impressive performance, are you the type of guys like, give me another fight. Let me get in there that's quick. It. And, and that, that's, that's the thing I think the UFC uh, likes about my uh, myself. I, I fight anybody. Like I fought Seoul literally on like a week's notice. I flew around the country to do it. You know what I mean? All around the world. Um, I, I just feel like I love fighting. I love putting on shows for the fans. So any, any chance I get to do that, I'm down to do it. So that means... Two weeks later, three weeks later, tomorrow, two nights, two fights in one night, whatever I need to do, I'm a company man, you know what I mean? Uh, and it's kind of been to my detriment a little bit, but I feel like everything happened for a reason, you know? I feel like I'm in a place now where I'm, I'm mentally ready to handle success in the UFC. So they're saying three fights and I'm in the title hunt, and that motivate me more than anything, you know? It's like, for real, is that? it's like that? Like, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking to be impressive and, and show the world what I'm capable of. You know, we see that more so now than ever before. Like, you know, people taking fights on short notice or if their opponent backs out and they're staying and they have to prepare for someone on 10 days. As a fighter, how does that affect you? Like, you, you obviously, you're, you know, a guy who just jumps into a fight. Yeah. How, how do you go in and do losses really in, in fights like that? Do they feel the same? Because I, I don't think a loss is way the same in that case. Like, you didn't have a full camp. Like you just said, you're coming into this, you, you're prepared. Uh, how does that affect you? Honestly, I mean, it, it, I take losses hard, man. I don't care if it's a seven-week camp, three-day camp. Like, I, I hate losing, you know what I mean, with a passion, bro. So, it affect me hard either way. But, um, you know, in the in the eyes, I think the fans – I earned a lot of respect in Australia. Um, I got so many fans from Australia just from doing that fight, you know, coming over and taking on so on short notice. So, it's, it's pros and cons to every situation, you know. But, for me, I think, um, you know, I made the right choices. I'm still uh, – able to be in the UFC chasing my dream. So I got another shot, man. My back against the wall, and I'm hungry. I'm hungrier than I've ever been. So, you know, y'all going to see that Saturday night. Like you said, you're prepared. Great outing on Saturday night. 
the division itself, it you know, there's guys who've been in it for 10 years, 11 years. Uh, we see someone like, you know, Derek Lewis just running through the division now, and he's probably one fight away from a title shot himself. And a year ago, he was coming off a loss. Um, does that motivate you? Like, you, you mentioned that, you know, going forward, is that something in the back of your mind with all of these fights? Always. Um, the tie can change in, in a matter of a year, you know what I mean? So that's the kind of perspective myself and my coach, uh, John Dye, uh, kind of off off the mic right now, but he over there feeling. But uh, like me and him, we always talk about, you know, uh, what our dream was when we set out to do this. Um, you know, we from Alabama, so we started out literally with nothing. You know what I mean? We started out training in a racquetball room. And so people saying, you know, you can't, it just doesn't mean anything to me because I've already seen what I can do and I put my mind to something. So yeah, man, I, I look at it like, man, one, two, three wins, oppressive, like I'm in D spot, you know what I mean? And shout out to Derek, man, that's my dude. Like. Shout out to him, he's doing his thing right now. So, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I'm believing by faith that that's what's about to happen for me. So I want to I go back a little bit because there's going to be a lot of people listening to shows like, Who, who's Big Ticket? Who's Wild Hair? How did you get into fighting? Oh, man, it's funny. Uh, so my coach, uh, John, I was uh, – actually, I took two years off. I tried out for a couple NBA teams. Um, it didn't kind of – it didn't work out, you know, just a whole bunch of political stuff. I don't want to get into it, but it was, it was pretty <laughs> – it's right. pretty it's pretty shaky out there in the, in, in, the, in the field. So I stopped playing ball. I had a kid. He uh, got to about two years old, and I had got up to, like, 295 pounds. And I just woke up one day like, yo, like, you're an athlete. Like, what you doing? So um, I went to a, a gym, a local gym back home. I started running, training every day. I started losing a ton of weight. And an elderly lady walked up to me and she was like, uh, have you ever fought? And I'm like, yeah, I fought growing up. Like, I'm black, you know, that's what we do. That's what we do. We gotta fight and survive where I'm from. So she's like, no, 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 I mean like uh, for money. And uh, I was like, no ma'am, I haven't. She was like, well, I wanna introduce you to somebody. She introduced me to my coach. And we started training literally in a racquetball room, bro, with one little mat on Saturdays. Every Saturday I was in there and I loved it. And um, he was like, yo, take a fight. So I'm thinking he talking about with the headgear and the big gloves. He's like, nah, 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 let's do an MMA match. I'm like, you talking about that crazy cage crap? Y'all did? Were they throwing the elbows in the knees? He's like, yeah, 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 let's, let's do it. I'm like, man, why not, man? Let's see what happens. I'll, do any, I'll try anything once. So I ended up fighting one of his old teammates. I knocked him out in like 45 seconds and like shattered his jaw. And he was in the locker room going nuts. Like, I told you, you could focus on this. You're going to be great. And I'm like, all right. So we ran with it. And um, I started amateur. I fought like 24 amateur fights. I went 23 and 1. Um, and he was like, let's turn pro. And I started out 5-0, and 6-0 and as a pro. And now I'm here, man. Like, it's kind of happened. So you, before this, you had no interest even thinking of You weren't even thinking about I MMA. I used to watch it, but I was always like that dude, like, laughing because people was getting cracked. Like, oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, never picture myself being in the cage. And uh, it just kind of happened like that, man. Like, like I said, man, I put my mind to something I usually get it accomplished. Like, I'm pretty headstrong, you know. So we set it as a goal. And... Here we are, you know. So another question then is, what did your family think? Because going to the NBA, everybody looks at these multi-millions dollars, and nobody really knows how much an MMA fighter is. Yeah. And then you're getting punched in the face for a living on top of that? Yeah. What yeah, did they was, say? It was tough. Like, my mom, at first, she couldn't watch. Like, she used to sit by the cage like, oh, you know, like, what are you doing? <laughs> and now she's like my one of my business partners. Like, she's going to be here. She'll be here tomorrow. Like, she support me 110%. Um, Everybody in Birmingham and Alabama, they support me because I'm the only MMA fighter in the UFC from the state of Alabama. Um, Marcus was, you know, of course he just got, you know, his situation. But um, so, you know, I'm kind of carrying the torch right now for everybody in the state and everybody behind me. They rallied behind me. I got a lot of support back home. So, you know, it's just a dream come true, man. We pushing. 
You still got skills on the court, though. Oh, I can ball. That never go nowhere, bro. Like, ever. Like, it'd be funny because I get called out a lot by my teammates down at Top Team, and we go hoop, and they be tripping like, that. this dude, 265 out here dunking. Like, I'm like, yo, hey, basketball's in my blood, bro. Like, I will, it take me a game or two to get the shot back sometime, but when it get going, you can't tell me nothing, man. You can't tell me nothing. Now, what do you expect from this weekend's fight, man? Like, what perfect scenario you walk Ooh. into the octagon, how do you want it to go? I walk into that octagon and walk out with 50K. <laughs> put him to sleep. That's what I want to do. I'm trying to go in there and put on a show. Like, I, I, I seriously, I feel like I got so much that the, the, the fans haven't seen. You know, like, they seen flashes. They seen, like, you know, the athleticism and the speed and the power. But I want to see the, I want them to see the complete package on Saturday night. So that's what I've been training for. Um, I feel like I'm in the best shape I've been in my whole career, honestly. You know, and I, I'm hungry, like I said earlier than ever. So I got to go out there and get it, man. And, and whoever in front of me finna get them, get these hands for the discount. Nah, thanks for coming through. You know, chopping it up with us. Uh, let the people know where to follow you. Get, drop uh, all your yeah, social media check stuff. Check me out on uh, my Facebook page. Uh, my actual page is like full right now, but I do have a fan page. Uh, Walt the Big Ticket Harris. Um, you can check him out on Instagram at the Big Ticket 205 and on Twitter at the Big Ticket 205. Yeah, can't wait to see that fight. Thanks for coming through, man. Thank y'all for having me, man. Yeah. I know I just popped up on y'all. That was good. I, hey. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no doubt. All right, shout out to Walt for coming through. Big, big ticket. Big dude, man. Well, he just rolled up on us. Like, what the, man? Extended his big old paw just over the set. Yeah, I was a little, I was a little worried. I was like, yo, you coming to steal the show from us? <laughs> I ain't taking a punch from that guy. Not at all. Um, before Walt came through, we were just recapping the UFC on Fox. Uh, talked about, you know, Glover. Rose had a great performance. Um, her and Tisha had a really good fight. Not sure if she's quite ready for Ioana yet, but um, she's you about to fight a two-way. Ioana's going to have the strap. So outside of the Rose fight, we also saw the return of the Eagle, Khabib. How do you think he looked? I mean, he looked like he's supposed to beat the hell out of that guy. I mean, what else do you expect? Yeah, Khabib, Namurka no, no, off. I, I always mix it up because I'm chewing gum right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it was an easy fight for him. You know, he's not going to fight this summer. He's gonna he's looking for a title fight, perhaps this fall. And he did what he was supposed to do. Came out there, smashed the guy as a fought in two years, knocked the ring rust off, and now he's ready to go. That's also a guy who could be added to 200. Um, or at least keep your eye on for 200. Because, you know, injuries happen. And if he can just slide into that title spot, that'd be a, a good move by him. But even though, you know, Eddie doesn't show any signs of getting injured. I mean, the guy's a machine as far as fighting is concerned. So, uh, I don't know. Khabib looked great. And, you know, him and Ferguson are going to get down one of these days. It just didn't happen yet. Uh, that pretty much rounds out the card. Cubs wants in, but... That was about it. Let's talk about this weekend's fights. Um, the return of John Jones. We're actually going to see him all week. He won't be at media day. But uh, we have open workouts, um, press conference, all that good stuff. What do you expect from John versus OSP? Uh, complete domination. Uh, I mean, John Jones is coming back after a year. He's incensed. He's ready to fight. Now you have this looming possibility that he could be added to UFC 200 with a, a great performance coming out unscathed. Why waste any time with Ovin St. Prue, a guy who is t incredibly athletic, incredibly strong, but not the sharpest when it comes to technique. He, he punches wide. His, uh, you know, his footwork's a little shaky at times. He doesn't control range well. Like, he's just trying to hit you. And that's all he's going to be really trying to do with John Jones. He's going to try to hit him. But I, I don't expect this fight to last long. I feel like especially now, he's just going to try to get him out of there. Why waste time? He's gonna, I think he's going to take him down, either submit him or throw those nasty elbows from inside the guard and kill him. Yeah, it, it's weird to me because 
to me, John doesn't take people out fast. He methodically breaks them down, and he needs a quick finish if he hopes to get that UFC 200 turnaround. But as long as he leaves healthy um, and DC gets healthy, like we talked about earlier, it's a possibility. Uh, on this fight card, also Mighty Mouse versus Cejudo. So, I don't know. Cejudo's probably his toughest challenge. Um, today, Olympian, gold medalist, the guy can wrestle. And the one way, you know, conceivably to stop Demetrius Johnson is to stop him from bouncing around. Keep him on the mat, on his back. And we haven't seen uh, DJ in that position before. So, Cejudo has all the tools. We'll see if he can catch Mighty Mouse, though. I mean, so here's my thing about this fight. Speed kills, and DJ is easily the fastest man in the UFC. Cejudo is going to have to get his hands on DJ in order to take him down. I don't think he can necessarily do that for five rounds. I do think he'll get him down, but DJ is so good at popping back up. His technique is sharp. He, he's just he's at a point now where it's like, all right, dude, are you going to just move up and wait? Because we just saw what John Dossett did. John Dossett moved up to Bantamweight and killed Manny Gamburian. Does DJ make that same move and perhaps challenge for the Bantamweight title? Because he's, he's had a stranglehold on the flyweight division for so long that it's like, who cares? Like, if he was headlining this card, we would have been like, damn it, really? Again? Because it's not he, – he's, he's too dominant. He is the Floyd Mayweather of this division when it comes to just owning everybody that he fights. He hasn't been challenged yet. He hasn't been challenged since he was competing in the flyweight tournament uh, when he fought Ian McCall. And since then, he's kind of trucked everybody's fight. Benavidez, nobody has a shot against him. So – this should be – I expect him to win a decision. Um, I expect him to look good doing it. And, you know, we'll see what's next for him because now they, they canceled the ultimate fight of those tryouts they were supposed to have out here in Vegas to see. And that, that tells you a lot. When they have to have a tryout for a reality show to see who's going to fight you for the title, you've cleaned out the division. Nobody left for you to fight. Yeah, and that didn't go well either. So, I mean, maybe they didn't find enough people that want to step into the octagon right away against, you know, DJ, the best in the world. So I, I don't know what they do with that division. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if someone at 135, because we talked a little bit about, like, you know, just how crowded 135 is. Maybe someone cuts the extra 10 pounds and, and you know, tries their hand at DJ because he, he's proven that, you know, he's good at 135, but he's not the best. He becomes average, above average at 135, maybe a top five fighter, but he can be beaten. Um, at 125, he's just unstoppable, though. So I, it's tough call and we'll give our official predictions in a second but that's that's a tough one for me um pettis versus barboza entertaining fight no way that's going to be boring they're going to stand and trade Barboza's not going to take him down and that's been pettis's kryptonite so this doesn't really challenge him at all it, it it's a bounce back fight right well it's tricky because barboza's a guy if he lands he's going to hurt you we saw you know like barboza versus paul felder and Barbosa versus Ferguson. Ferguson had to get him down to beat him. Anthony's not that kind of guy. This could potentially be the fight of the night. Actually, it should be the fight of the night. I don't think there's any doubt about it that it should be fight of the night. Unless DJ and Cejudo just put on a, a scintillating performance for five rounds. But somebody should get hurt in this fight. I don't necessarily think that Pettis should, Pettis should run Barbosa over. But he should win this fight. Because Pettis does have some good wrestling. And he has some good. He works well off his back. His jiu-jitsu is solid. Um, and then when I say he works well off his back, I and mean, you what he did with Benson Henderson, for instance, Barbosa's not a you know I'm gonna take you down and control you. Um, actually, I don't know who does Barbosa ever take down. So it's you know, I think this will be fight of the night. Um, I'm not quite sure who how it ends. I think Pettis wins. Maybe it's a knockout. Maybe maybe it's a decision. I don't know. Um, but I'm excited for that fight. I'm actually kind of thrilled to see these two guys throw down. 
Um, and, and that's really it. So so let's actually do our predictions because, you know, I don't really feel like talking about Carlos Sparks' fight. And I don't feel like talking about Sergio Pettis' fight in great detail because we got a lot of stuff to get to and we got other work to do. Yeah, all right. So let's start uh, main card predictions. John Jones versus OSP. I'm going John Jones. <laughs> John Jones, fourth round. Um, I, I think it's a TKO stoppage. He just wears down OSP, ground and pound, ref steps in. Yeah, I, I think I've said it enough. I think this is going to be a pretty easy fight for John Jones. It'll be as hard as he makes it. If he goes in there and does what he takes care of business, especially new muscle-bound John Jones, Hulkamania John Jones, um, no PEDs we think John Jones, I think he should manhandle Ovin St. Pru and set himself up for a 200. Yeah, John likes other drugs, not uh, PEDs to our knowledge. Um, Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cejudo, I, I think everyone loses sooner or later. I just don't see this being Mighty Mouse's sooner or later. So um, I'll give Mighty Mouse a uh, unanimous decision. He's going to get on the ground one round. He'll withstand it, get back on his feet. Got to stand up five times at least, and you can't take him down five times and just lay on him. So I, I think Mighty Mouse gets it done. I think more important, I'll pick Mighty Mouse as well. I said it before, decision, he should win. More important is that Mighty Mouse, after this fight, says I want to move up to Bantamweight. Like, for him to hang around the flyweight division is doing him no favors anymore. Move up, tell the UFC it's time. Hey, if you want me to fight a 200 in a super fight, I would love to do it. Say something. You just can't linger around the division that you're dominating anymore. And, you know, make a great performance out of it, but you've, you've effectively cleaned out this division. There's nobody left. Bantamweight, there's a bunch of killers there who I'd love to see you fight. Definitely, and I think he'd be in in a great position to get an immediate title shot. You know, 201, 202, whatever it comes down to, I think he can headline, you know, champion versus champion, and that'd be a reason for him to headline a pay-per-view. Um then we have Pettis, Barboza. I'm picking Pettis, bounce back fight. It's three rounds. Uh, I don't think it's going to the judges, though. I'll pick Pettis, TKO, second round. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it will. I think, you know, it'll either be a flash knockout early or it'll go deep in the third round. I don't even know if it's punishment. I think it's one of those things where somebody's going to get caught. I'm picking Pettis, though. Um, sharper, a little bit better technique, a little bit more in his toolbox. But standing there and trading with Barboza never really does you well either. So, It'll be interesting. I'm picking Pettis, though. And we have Whitaker versus Natal. Uh, I mean, this is where the card starts to, you know, get a little dry as, as far as the main card is concerned. But uh, I'll go with Whitaker in this one. I, I think it's another fight that's going to go all three, though. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a knockout by any means. Um, Yeah, well, Natal's been on the roll lately. And he's been winning a lot of fights. And Whitaker's got power. And, you know, the, the Aussie can fight. But I'm going to pick Natal. I like talking to him after fights, too. When Natal wins, it's kind of fun to talk to after the fight. So I'm going to pick him in this fight. You know, it's 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 kind of a toss-up. Um, it really depends on how Whitaker handles this fight. I know what Natal's going to bring to the table. But I'm going to pick Natal. And we'll see what he says after the fight. And then we have Rodriguez, uh, Feely. I... I'm going to be honest, I haven't watched either of them fight that much. Like, the other featherweights, it's like, ah, okay, whatever. Um, so, I don't know if this is an audition for the DJ fight. Usually, you know, if you get a fight on the card, um, then, you know, it's pretty good. Or, excuse me, the RDA thing. So, maybe, you know, two guys trying to crack the top ten. Um, I, I don't know. I I care about the top of that division. <laughs> that, that's, that's pretty much it. And, once again, it's kind of one of the divisions controlled by McGregor even though he's not in it. 
So, um, to me, Philly, I'll go with Philly on a flyer. Why not? I'm picking Rodriguez. If you watch this kid fight, he's dynamic, he's tall, he's rangy, he can strike. I think Rodriguez is going to be a showcase fight for him, and I think he's going to take Philly out. I think it's a statement fight for him. He kind of needs it at this point. Uh, he's only lost one fight in his career, and um, he's still growing as a fighter. I watched him fight in Mexico, you know, his fights in Mexico. He's, he's good. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how that plays out. Good sure dog knowledge. Uh, <laughs> now, Roger, featherweight's so weird because it's like the one division where you get guys who are like six foot, six one, and then surprisingly can cut down to like, you know, 155. I, I don't know. It's it's a toss-up. Hopefully Rodriguez puts on the show then, and I might have to change my prediction before uh, my official ones come out. Um, we're not going to predict, you know, Carlos Esparza and Sergio Pettis and everyone else. Let's get to boxing because – Wait, we have to talk about Benson Henderson. He debuts on Friday. Yes, Bendo's making his his Bellator debut for the welterweight title. Um, he's been kind of making his media rounds. He was on Sports Center the other day, I think yesterday. Uh, this is interesting because the reason I want to talk about Benson Henderson is the segue is that Bellator is giving Kimbo Slice another goddamn fight. And I, apparently, Bellator gives no dams about PEDs, people dying in the cage. This is a money grab for Bellator. As much as we may grow... I mean, uh, grown about this fight and Kimbo getting another headlining fight. Yo, Bellator's doing what they got to do to get eyeballs. No matter what we say, don't front. You're going to watch Kimbo fight. I'm actually going to watch Bendo fight this weekend on Bellator. I want to see how he looks because Henderson's talking about if he wins, he wants to go down and fight Walt Harris for the lightweight title. So if he beats Korshev this weekend, maybe this, later this fall, after he enlists in the military, which I thought was crazy too, he's going to be a reserve. Um, he might be a two-weight division title holder in Bellator. That's a big deal for Benson Henderson. If he's getting the check, I'm, I'm happy for him. Nothing else. That's all I want to say about Benson. And I think Bellator is re – I'm repulsed that they let Kimbo fight again and headline the card, but I get it. I don't get it. Like, he just popped for PEDs and with probably the worst excuse ever. Like, you know what, the guy's gloves probably still has some of Shamrock on him and he mixed it in with my sample. Like, you really just going to let him slide on that? Oh, I, I'm just disgusted by Bellator. And that's why I just overlooked Benson Henderson. But it's a good fight for him. Uh, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a tough fight for him. But if he can be the champion, he's kind of that guy that they need to add, um, I don't know, just some credibility to the sideshow that they've created at Bellator and show people, like, no, we still hold real fights and not just washed-up fighters. This guy is still in his prime. He was just, you know, moved up in weight in the UFC or was taking out legit fighters. You know, at, at 170 pounds. So um, uh, it's it's a great look for them. I guess we'll watch it, maybe. It, you know, it's only our job to watch it. But uh, I'm not watching that Kimbo fight. I, I'm I'm taking a stance right now. So whenever that happens, it's in London or something, I'm not watching that shit. Just just mark me down for that one. Uh, let's move on to boxing now. That You brought up the ridiculous Bellator news. Um, this past weekend, Errol Spence just destroyed, destroyed Algeria. His eyebrows were in the third row. That was one of the nastiest hooks you'll ever see in boxing. And now people are like, oh, Errol Spence is the real deal. Like, they didn't know it before. I've been talking about this guy, I think, since we first started the show. I've been, I've been on the Errol Spence bandwagon for a long time now. And I honestly think that he is the future of the division. Him, between him and Terrence Crawford, they have two uncanny abilities to adjust and they adjust with power, and they hurt people, but they're incredibly accurate. And I didn't expect that, you know, I mean, uh, did I say Algeria? 
I meant Crawford. Did I say Crawford? I don't know what I was. You know, like, it's it's a it's a it's a long week. But Errol Spence looked so good against Algeria that in the UFC he get a title shot after this performance. In boxing, other on the other hand, he's not going to get Danny Garcia. They're not going to give him the winner of Porter and Thurman. He's going to get. He's not going to get a mandatory against Kell Brook. I don't know what they're going to do with him, but he deserves to get a top-tier fight. He's that good. Kell Brook really can't dodge him because he's taking every mandatory they put in front of him. So why would it stop now? That like, There's one more fight for Spence to win to become the legit mandatory um, for Kell Brook's belt. But Kell Brook would have a lot of explaining to do because he's fighting a mandatory next. So he's fought every other mandatory until Errol Spence. That just screams that you're scared to fight Errol Spence, in which everyone in the division should be scared to fight Errol Spence. Um, can't teach power. And that kid has it. And it's controlled power. And, and that's something you don't see too much. Um, the other fight from this weekend was in Puerto Rico, and I sent my grandma to it, which is really cool. Um, Verdejo fought, and he had like a tough go at it, though. He got hit a lot. Um, kind of exposed some weaknesses. We'll see. He's having a quick bounce-back fight in New York in June, but my grandma had a ball. So shout out to everyone over, um, you know, just HBO in general, uh, top rank guys always looking out, but it's always good for me to give back and, you know, send my grandma to things because she's the one who got me into boxing and, you know, ordered every pay-per-view when I was like three years old and I was watching every damn fight and she still watches every weekend. So she went, had a ball. It was up until like 1230 for the first time in like a decade and, uh, yeah, a little old Puerto Rican lady watching boxing, yelling curse words, all in Spanish. So it was fun. She called me from the fight. Uh, Verdejo struggled, though, and it really wasn't great for his showcase. It happens. I feel, I figured that Verdejo kind of overlooked his opponent and just, you have to move on. He has to put on the show in New York. Um, the other thing I want to talk about with boxing is, in the midst of all the Conor McGregor madness, Canelo Alvarez had a conference call where Oscar De La Hoya continued to say he would not commit to a Triple G fight this year what he said was he wouldn't say him by name he was like but we had to do it when the time is right we got to let the fight marinate quoting the great Floyd Mayweather I think this is, and, I, and I hated every moment of this because this conference call was one of those things where nobody cares about Amir Khan it was either about Triple G or about Amir Khan's chin and how quick you're going to knock him out and being a big superstar everybody wants to know when you're going to fight Triple G dude and if you're not going to fight him well Give up the belt. Canelo says the belt's not important. Like, he was annoyed on this call that people were asking about Triple G, but it's your own fault. You're the middleweight champ. You're the WBC middleweight champion. Triple G is fighting this weekend, which means he's on everybody's mind right now, which, you know, we could preview the fight, but Triple G is going to win. He's going to kill Dominic Wade, and then we can move on. We don't really need to predict it. But Canelo needs to fight Triple G. I don't – like, this whole idea of letting the fight marinate is risky. He's not Floyd Mayweather. Not saying Canelo could lose to Amir Khan, but who does he fight next? Does he do a rematch with Cotto since Cotto's not fighting in June? Like, who does Canelo fight for Mexican Independence Day in September, assuming he gets past Amir Khan? His options are really just just getting chopped away. Um, I, I think we see another 147 guy move up, you know, to challenge him. And that that's all he can really do. If he doesn't want to take the Triple G fight, he's just going to fight a bunch of people he should dominate. Um I wouldn't mind seeing Laura get a rematch, though, because that was a contested fight. And, you know, a lot of people saw Laura holding his own, if not winning that fight for some people. So um, I think it's a fight that will really 
sharpen Canelo's skills, and he has the chance to show that he's gotten better since then. So going back and fighting Lowry and having a dominant performance sets him up well if he wants to move up and wait for Triple G or if Triple G wants to come down for a 160-pound title, which makes no damn sense. Well, Arisani Lara is also booked for Vanis Martirosian with their fight now here in Vegas with the Charlo brothers also on the card. So perhaps Canelo looks in that direction. If Vanis wins, maybe he fights Vanis. It's, these, are, these are interesting style fights for him, by the way, because Lara, yeah, I had Canelo win that fight, but it was a tough fight for him. Um, you have the Charlo brothers, too, who are both great and, and could present a, a real threat to Canelo. Um, but all this to say, like, let's stop pussyfooting around. Like, come on, man. Let's just give the people what they want. I don't need to let a fight marinate. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just make it happen. I don't want to waste time. I don't, I don't want to do Mayweather Pacquiao again. I don't want to talk about a fight for five years and then watch one of the guys get knocked silly by somebody who shouldn't have gotten knocked out by, and then the fight lose steam, and, but it makes a ton of money. It's not going to do the same thing. Canelo and Triple G will never be as big as Pacquiao Mayweather. It just won't happen. But other than that, I mean, boxing is, you know, it's boxing. Right? You know, what can we do? It's like we got to sit here and watch these guys dance around these questions and do what they do. But, you know, this weekend is really, you know, while we're at the fight, I'm going to try to find a way to watch Triple G kill Dominic Wade. I like to watch murder on television. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to the Triple G fight. Uh, I'll probably just peer over at your laptop and steal your stream. Uh, hopefully they sit us next to each other. Usually they do. You know, all the black people kind of next to each other, which is cool. Um Triple G fight, like I like I said, that's Canelo's next big option. So if they pull the trigger on that this year, next year, we're gonna be excited whenever it happens. Um, it'll be here in Vegas, in which we haven't seen Triple G here in Vegas. So that'd be really cool. Uh, everything between now and then for both of those fighters is just like whatever. It's sparring, and Triple G is gonna make quick work this weekend of his opponent. Uh, we'll take a quick break then. Because we have wrestling to talk about. So we're going to give a quick break, come right back, wrap it up with wrestling, and Shane O'Mac, which is still mind-boggling. So stay tuned. Stay with us. All right, so we're back talking wrestling and the return of Shane O'Mac, but he didn't really go nowhere. Three weeks in a row, WrestleMania had no part in anything that happened. Like, it makes no sense. Shane's running raw. We haven't seen Triple H or Stephanie. They're somewhere on vacation, and Vince hasn't cleared this shit up since the first week. So what's going down? Just anarchy. I guess, like I said, WrestleMania is like, if you go back and watch it, you'd be like, well, what does this have to do with anything? Yeah, Zack Ryder was the Intercontinental Champion at WrestleMania. Then, he's nowhere near the title now. In a, just a matter of weeks, it's all about the Miz and Cesaro now. Like, WrestleMania was Becky, Sasha, and Charlotte. Now it's Charlotte and Natalya, no Sasha, no Becky. Triple H, nowhere to be found. Nothing makes sense anymore. New Day won the titles, now they're having a tournament. Uh, what else was there from WrestleMania? I'm trying to think. 
I mean, I mean, Ambrose beat Lesnar. We haven't talked about that at all. You know, Ambrose. I mean, Ambrose beat Lesnar. Lesnar beat the crap out of Ambrose, and we haven't talked about that at all. Um, AJ Jericho. They kind of, you know, they moved that over. So now AJ's got a title shot against Roman Reigns. Nothing makes sense. Nothing at all makes sense. And at least we're getting good wrestling, though. <laughs> like, there's some good matches week in and week out. Um, I, Vince just needs to dial down the storylines, I guess. And they built so many weird storylines for WrestleMania that they kind of just want to wash their hands with it. And the return of Cesaro has been great. He's come in, and he's been, you know, one of the main event players for them right now, which is something everyone's always wanted to see. It's a little weird that he's like James Bond meets stripper. Like, <laughs> just breakaway suits are just weird for me. Like, who designs all these custom breakaway suits? Uh, I wonder if they got, like, the Jordan snaps on the side and we just can't see it. Um, that, that's been good, and... The biggest thing to happen this week on Raw, Bullet Club. The tease of the Bullet Club. And that just tells me that it's not going to happen. Those guys aren't going at all with AJ Styles. No, that, 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 I mean, they planted the seed to get you excited. And you know that the Bullet Club is going to turn on AJ Styles or cost him the title or something of that nature. I, like, it was good to see. But, yeah, I don't think they're forming this Bullet Club faction with AJ Styles. Um, but Raw as a whole was a good by-the-numbers show. We had some good wrestling on there. Um, but it wasn't anything that was, like, out of this world. Once again, Roman Reigns has kind of played the background on Raw. Like, he comes out, delivers this corny-ass line, and then he gets involved in some nonsense. You know, the, the uh, uh, Anderson Gallows kicked his head off, and he blamed AJ Styles, which I th- actually thought Reigns, th- the whole segment was handled well. AJ Styles didn't look like, he looked truly like, I, don't, I didn't have anything to do with this. I think it's a good build towards payback. But I think actually everything about Payback is better than WrestleMania in terms of the build and what they've done in a matter of a few short weeks versus what Mania had to deal with. Um, but overall, it's like it was an interesting show. I, I didn't see too much like to jump out of my seat about, but I wasn't pissed off about anything. It was nothing that made me truly upset. Uh, Sami Zayn losing back-to-back weeks kind of is, is confusing me. But Sami Zayn and Owens both lost on Raw, and they're facing each other in Chicago at Payback, in which it was – probably be a great feud but overall it's like the best thing that i've noticed about raw and the w in general is how they've been handling the nxt call call ups the vol villains versus enzo and cast to for the tag team type the Budios tournament that's great baron corbin actually hasn't been bad you know there's a low man on the total ball apollo cruz apollo cruz is feuding with the social outcast these should be squash matches why are these matches lasting these are like the longest four minute matches ever why are you letting Heath slater get any offense in it's not doing any favors for apollo cruz but everybody else in the nxt roster that came up they've and someone cast are stars definitely and the vaude villains actually are getting a nice little run i'm surprised uh i don't expect to see enzo and cast thrown in against the new day right away so does that mean the vaude villains get their first shot at the belts um that's that's a great push out of the gate, something they didn't do with the Ascension. And the Ascension were buried and remain buried because of it. Um, another person who suspended uh, half of the Ascension, so they're really not getting any push. Um, but yeah, outside of that, it, everyone is handled well. Uh, Sami Zayn, he's the underdog guy. Losing doesn't hurt him. He's still going to get a huge pop. Uh, hopefully they don't take advantage of that, though. And Apollo Crews, they're trying to build that same narrative. If it's just all offense, you know, he's a big brute. He He's not a heel, though. Um, he has, like, clever little funny spots. You know, them trying to get him in the social outcast and give him the shirt was pretty cool. And 
he has to build back from something. He has to look somewhat mortal, even though he looks like a comic book character. So they're trying to play that up in his four-minute matches. Um, hopefully it ends in him handicap matches, him versus all three of them. That'd be great. That's how you show that he's, like, incredibly skilled and gifted, that he can beat all three of them by himself. And his moveset is growing, which is cool. He's showing off some of the stuff he did on the indies. He did a standing moonsault off of the apron. That was just great last week, landing on his feet. The athleticism is starting to shine through, and I think that will endear him with fans. Uh, outside of that, though, yeah, it's it's just weird. It's weird tuning in for three hours of just legit wrestling. And payback's going to be just that, just wrestling matches. No, you know, big storylines, nothing like that. Hell, they even gave Roman Reigns a wrestler to go against, like someone who can actually go. So we're going to see. And I, I think Vince is now not testing the roster, but testing Reigns, as in these guys are getting huge pop. Indie darlings are now taking over. You got to go and prove to these people that you can stand with them. And Reigns, the whole, oh, I'm just going to beat his ass or, you know, he can be as technical as he wants. No one wants to see that brawler style. It only works when you're going against the big bad heel like Triple H. Um, sooner or later, you're going to have to wrestle these guys and you're going to really have to show your, your worth. So payback has me excited just because it's going to be quality matches and then we're going to hit the reset button heading towards Money in the Bank. Which, which is cool, and they're doing a great build, in my opinion, um, with, with the NXT guys and everything. I just don't know where Finn is, because Finn's not on anything, and that bothers me. Well, yeah, I mean, Payback is a, a well-booked card, and I, I also want to point out how well they've handled this Charlotte and Natalia angle as well, with uh, Natalia tapping Charlotte in, in, on the eight-woman tag match, which is good. You need to have that visual of Charlotte tapping to think that Natalia can actually beat her. I don't know about having Bret Hart in a corner. It's like, you know... It's like the retirement home in each corner. I, I don't know about all that. Um, but for Roman, if they, they don't turn Roman, like Roman's going to get the brakes booed off of him in Chicago. There's, there's no way that this guy has any momentum for the fans in Chicago. He's going to get killed. So he's going to have to put on a performance. So if they don't turn him here, I just don't understand what they're doing with him. I really feel like the WWE has no clue what to do with Roman Reigns. Now, if Shane O'Mac is still running raw at payback, that's a whole other problem in its entirety because there's, there's, none of this makes any sense anymore. Um, what else? I mean, what else is there to talk about? I mean, going back to the Apollo Crews thing, you know, it's, by the time the show comes out, it'll be already out, but we saw it. I don't know if you were there. Apollo Crews versus Samoa Joe was at NXT, and Crews lost to Samoa Joe. I kind of have this feeling that Crews is lost in the shuffle. And does he join the New Day? Which, by the way, got a, an immense pop when Cesaro tore off his tearaway James Bond suit and had the Bootyo shirt on. Yo, New Day is so over. They they are so over. But like, I don't know. Something's got to be done with Cruz. I felt like he still needed time in NXT, and he wasn't quite ready for the main roster. But all in all, there's not a lot to talk about with this week in Raw. It was just a good by the numbers Raw. It was it was some good matches. It was. Three hours is still too long for wrestling. Please shave this stuff down to two hours. I can live with this a little better. But I'm I'm not mad at it. We're building towards something. No, you're right. Um, New Day, they're the biggest thing in the company right now. Vince, Vince's company is being carried by three black men, and I never thought I'd see it. They were number one in merchandise at WrestleMania weekend. Everyone has a Bootyo shirt. Uh, man, just seeing the, the British crowd just, you know, over in the U.K., just word for word. Knows the entire New Day speech. Everyone had a huge pop. Half the crowd had New Day's t-shirts on. 
So it's the biggest thing in wrestling, and it's great to see those guys. I don't want to hear anything about the Big E solo heavyweight championship push, though. Just squash that. Leave them as a tag team. Don't mess up a good thing. I saw, like, tons of stuff on Twitter about that. Like, Big E doesn't need a solo push. He's fine. Let him rock in the tag team. Let them do the Freebirds rule, and let them just have fun. No pressure. And uh, that's the best thing about the New Day. But, yeah, outside of that, we really don't have much to talk about. Nothing much really going on. We're going to hit up these John Jones uh, open workouts for the media. And it was just announced that we have a big media day on Friday. So that's going to be huge for us. So we got to prepare for the rest of the week. I'm going to hydrate and try to shake off this hangover, which really sucks. But that's what happens when you go to nickel beer night with a roll of quarters. And, uh, yeah, where are you going after this? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we're both headed over to MGM, right? doesn't have Nate Diaz on that press conference, by the way, which is, means I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if the UFC knows what they're doing. Other than that, yeah, I didn't, I didn't indulge in nickel beer night. I'm going to go home, do some work, write about Conor McGregor, because that seems like the only thing we get to write about this week, and we'll take it from there. All right, everybody, you guys know where to follow us, though, in the meantime. All our social media is at the corner LSN. You can follow me at Kel Dansby, Andreas at Andreas Hale. Uh, until next week, though, we'll be back, hopefully, with uh, news of new UFC 200 main event, maybe it'll be John Jones. Maybe Connor will come back. You know, Dana left the door open for that. So until then, we're out. Peace.